You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. everyone and welcome to episode 342 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Saturday, March 26th, or in the middle of March Madness. The Atlanta Braves will be playing baseball in the near future that counts. They're already playing baseball that doesn't count. And I am joined on a fabulous Saturday evening by Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good, Brad. Nowhere else I would rather be other than maybe watching an Elite Eight basketball game. But Sadly, your uh, your Michigan Wolverines and my Wildcats of Arizona did not advance, but happy to be with you on this Saturday night. And We are uh, less than two weeks away from opening day, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, we're going to not derail the podcast with Arizona-Michigan basketball talk, but uh, we are recording this because of my schedule in the middle of the two elite games, elite eight games tonight, and the first of which involved Houston, which is a source subject for you, and also involved Villanova, which is a bad subject for me. So lots of basketball dread. I did realize, and I actually saw you tweet about this. I can't remember what it was about, but uh, just the fact that it's kind of funny that we're talking about like bad sports stuff because the Braves won the World Series like five months ago. Yeah. So uh, I guess if uh, if I had to win one of two <laughs> against Houston, against Houston teams, I would totally take the Braves beating the Astros for a World Series than what happened on Thursday night, but no, it's, it's a, it's a nice transition, right? Uh, You and I, and so many folks love the NCAAs and then it wraps up and now we have baseball less than two weeks out. So it's a nice little transition for us uh, baseball fans. Yeah, we're getting there. Even with the slightly delayed start, the Braves uh, open, uh, you know, 12 days from right now, even less than 12 days. People are listening to this probably on Sunday or Monday. So we're getting very close. We'll sort of end the podcast with that. And for the most part on this show, we're going to sort of reset things. Um, it came to my attention, both in my brain and also just looking at the numbers and stuff, the podcast, et cetera, that I think a lot of people, um, I'm not criticizing this. I think a lot of people kind of just dipped out during the lockout. Cause why wouldn't they like a lot of fans that, that don't necessarily live and die every single day on this stuff. Like we kind of do, um, and might've missed some stuff. And also just a lot has happened. Uh, we did a lot of emergency podcasts between you and Eric and Sean. I did a couple um, just kind of catching up on the flurry, but now that's kind of died out a little bit, I think we're kind of uh, in, in a good place to sort of reset the roster, go over what's, what's happened, what's going to be happening, kind of an overview situation. Uh, we, we've done some preview content in the last few months, but uh, most of those units have changed on some level because of all the transactions. So we have a lot to get to, but there is some news also in the last few days, I think the biggest thing for me on the field is that the rosters are going to be expanded until the end of April to 28, presumably to help out the pitchers because of the, tw- the quick turnaround on that stuff, sort of some extra depth there. And um, there's that 13 pitcher cap once the season actually starts in terms of the uh, 26 man roster, but until then they can uh, stretch it out a little bit. And that might give the Braves an advantage, I think just because they have so many relievers that are good. But uh, did you have a reaction to that other than just like, okay, cool. Two more guys. Yeah, I'm glad they did it. Uh, you're right. The Braves have an abundance of especially pitchers who are probably too good or too old for AAA, but maybe they're not ready to be locked into big leagues at this point. And um, to have that extra depth, especially with this shortened spring training, it's crazy how fast. I mean, with the lockout, what did it end up being like three and a half weeks that all the players were going to have to get ready? And of course, they were working out by themselves at their homes or at a local field or whatever. But uh, it'll be nice to expand. I think it benefits teams that have more depth and the Braves certainly have it. And then not having uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. for at least a couple of weeks to begin the year, I think that helps as well. And as we know, teams are going to be very careful with their pitchers, especially once the games get going. If it's cold weather and some of those colder climates in April and even early May, uh, you know they're going to be careful. It's such a long year and, and having that flexibility with the roster is never a bad thing. Yeah, and I, I think it's um, 
just a cautionary thing more than anything, which is fine. And uh, the one uh, the one bad part about the sort of small renegotiation there is that apparently the uh, zombie runner is back. Uh, don't don't love to see that. Uh, very anti zombie yeah. runner, but um, alas, <laughs> it's back. It got snuck in too, like out of nowhere. Like it just kind of surfaced. Like oh yeah, they're gonna throw this back in. I guess players just don't mind it because they just want games to end. Like, I, yeah. I, I do understand that. Like, if you, you know, regular season games, I, I kind of get the appeal of it. I don't like it, to be very clear. But uh, I do understand that maybe um, in this weird season, they, they don't want to, like, have, you know, games go yeah. 16 innings if they can help it early on the season. So It's I get funny. It. Again, it's probably selective memory, and I, I didn't look up the stats to this, but it felt like the Braves were horrible last year with that extra runner, like, without looking i would i would wager good money that they were on the losing end of the ghost runner rule far more than the winning end um i, I would guess that stat lives somewhere um but if if it was flipped and the braves had the best record in baseball in extra innings last year because of it you and i would maybe have a different tone but hopefully if that was the case last year with some bad luck hopefully it, it flips around this season but it is just an odd rule. I get why the players don't want to play 15 games. Frankly, I don't want to watch 15 inning games, uh, but it just feels odd. I think. Yeah. I'm doing, I'm trying to do some quick math on the fly here. They played something like, I don't know, 10 or 15 games. I think they were sub 500 in extra innings last year. So if you want to blame that, uh, hmm. blame that. Sounds but, right. Yeah. For uh, a team that won 88 games. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yes. Um, other than that, like arbitration stuff happened this week, which doesn't, candidly have a ton of impact um, in my mind because because especially because of how late this is all going like payroll's been set like no nothing that's going to happen in the arbitration hearings is going to really change anything they avoided hearings with Matzik and Minter and Sean Newcomb who is still on the roster by the way um, they're going to hearings with Dansby and, and Riley and Max Free and Luke Jackson um, you know the, the most high profile ones Dansby which we'll come back to later on because he's in, he's in a walk year, but guys like Riley and Freed, like I just tend toward, you know, just pay the guy and have it be, uh, have it be all hunky dory basically. Mm -hmm. But uh, obviously the Braves are a file and trial team. So we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah. do, do you care about this? Cause like, I mean, obviously it matters to the team, but like the breathless coverage of arbitration, especially this year when it's just happening. So like the arbitration here is going to be happening during the season. Like it, it doesn't actually matter to yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not my money. It's not your money the fact that they will now have to turn to like attorneys to settle it in court over a difference. I think like Max Freed was a difference of $250,000. I mean, to be clear again, it's, I'm not the one signing the paycheck. I get why the Braves do the file and trial thing. They're, they're not the only team in the league to do it. Um, there's a reasoning for it and Hey, good on the players. I hope that the players get the money they deserve and uh, but as you said, I mean, they're going to go to trial over four of them. I'm guessing they'll probably split the difference and it won't end up being any real money one way or the other. Yep, that's basically where I was on that. Um, other than that, last time we did a full flagship episode of this podcast. Um, by the way, just as a reminder in the middle of the show, um, this is a podcast network. So this is the flagship show. This is episode 342 of the podcast. It's usually some combination of myself and Scott and Eric Cole, but also we have Road to Atlanta, which is the minor league show hosted by Eric and friends. And then we also have Sean Coleman on the, on the Daily Hammer. So there's been lots of content in the last few weeks. So a lot of this stuff's not even, even going to be brand new, but just as a reminder of that to subscribe to it and also download and share with, share, share with friends, all that fun stuff. We have wall-to-wall uh, -wall content happening on the uh, on the podcast network but um in the last couple of days weeks Jorge Soler officially left the Braves to sign elsewhere no surprise obviously but kind of notable and also there was some interesting reporting about Ken Rosenthal noting the Braves at least talked about Carlos Correa which we kind of joked about a few times I always saw I joked about a few times on the podcast during the pre-Freeman saga um but that was interesting because of course he has an opt-out in his contract every year for the next two or three years and also Dan's been sitting free agency and the other thing that got out there from Rosenthal, which was uh, certainly a sort of catnip for Braves fans, was that they talked about Craig Kimbrell uh, in a trade before they signed Kenley Jansen. Can you imagine if they had traded for Craig Kimbrell? That would have been pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah there, was a, there was a good amount of things that almost happened with the Braves, right? Like there was all the news last week, and it was wrapped up with the Kenley Jansen signing on Friday night. And then uh, and I was sad to see Jorge go. He got a three-year deal, which is – pretty i mean it's it's a nice reward for the way he finished the season last year um, i was fascinated to see what kind of contract soler was going to get if you look at his numbers historically he's like had one good full season in seven years 
Like he he's been so inconsistent. He was really, really good a couple of years ago, I believe with the Royals hit 50 home runs and he was terrible whenever the Braves traded for him. It's kind of easy to forget how bad he was. His batted ball numbers were good. And there were a couple of things quite obviously the front office liked about him and they did not give up a whole bunch to, to rent his services for a couple of months. Um, so I was fascinated to see what kind of deal he gets. I believe he has an opt out after this year as well. So if, if Jorge has a nice year, he can always hit the free agent market again next season. Uh, but I was sad to see him go just that emotional attachment of maybe the biggest swing for the Braves this century. Uh, I wish him all the best. It sucks that he goes to the Marlins. We're going to see him 18 times over the year. It feels inevitable. He's going to hit a big home run or two against the team, but um, good for Jorge. He got paid nicely and um, sad to see him move on. Yeah, I can't imagine you tweeting out a video of Horace Solaire in the near future. That will never happen. Um, never. That, that never happens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on, on that front, though, like I'm with you. He's a, a, it was always a weird valuation, but I think we we were correct when we talked about this early in the early in the stoppage and lockout. But we were guessing that Solaire was going to get more than Rosario, and that ended up happening. And that was one of the reasons why I thought he might not come back was because I thought there was more of a market for him, and there was at the end of the day. In fact, I believe his projection at MLB Trade Rumors is actually exactly what he got which was pretty interesting. Three for 36 is real money for him. It's not like ridiculous money. Um, and certainly, you know, he's probably worth that if you can sort of see the upside and all that stuff. But your, your point is correct. Like he's not a safe player by any means. Like the upside is super high, but interesting stuff and uh, certainly going to be attached to him. And we'll see what, how he's uh, received when he returns because of course he, uh, he did sign with a rival, which would be interesting. I'm uh, not quite the same level of, uh, of attention as Freddie Freeman signing with a, a different rival, but alas. Yeah. Give, give, uh, yeah, I think Freddie's probably in for a good two or three minutes standing ovation when he walks up. I think Jorge will, will get one. I would imagine. I mean, fans that wasn't that long ago. And again, just such an iconic swing that we will play forever. Um, I hope they, I hope they give him a nice ovation whenever he comes back. I still believe that uh, neither Soler nor uh, Rosario nor Madsik and a couple other guys should ever pay for a drink again or, or a meal again in the city. If it's up to me, <laughs> you but, know, uh, it's funny you, you mentioned that and it reminded me. And if folks did not listen to it, Alex Anthopoulos had a very candid and really interesting 45 minute podcast session with Jason Stark in yeah. Doug Glanville. Um, and it's funny, Anthopoulos joked and he asked Snit the other day in camp. Um, he was like, are you still paying for all of your meals and drinks? And it's like, yeah, I don't get anything for free. So that is, uh, Shameful. apparently that's, a, that's a lie. I would happily, uh, comp a meal for any of those gentlemen you mentioned, but, um, if you, I'm glad you mentioned it. If you did not listen to Anthopolis's, uh, 45 minute interview after this podcast, please go and listen. Cause it was, it was a fascinating to hear him talk. I would agree. And before we sort of move into the roster baseball kind of portion, I don't really have a lot of takes on the Freddie Freeman uh, open letter that he shared with Bowman today. I'm not even sure we talked about this, you and I, um, but that's out there. Um, Bowman shared it. Uh, people got very mad or very happy or whatever. I, I'm kind of just kind of done talking about Freddie for a while. Um, that's kind of where I am on it. Uh, I will always have affection for Freddie Freeman. He was on the World Series team. He's faced with franchise for a long time. I'm kind of freddie out. But uh, if you have takes on the uh, explanation slash open letter, feel free to fire them off and then we can move on forever. No, I mean, not forever, but close to <laughs> right. At least for a couple of weeks until they play the Dodgers. Yeah. Um, I, I think I have Freddie fatigue. I'm ready to move on. I appreciate everything he did for the organization for you know 15 years or whatever he was with the team. Um, but as we've said, as Eric and I and Sean and yourself have all said, I think it's best to move on. Matt Olson is is uh, is in. Freddie is out. Um, I wish Freddie all the best. I love him. Thank goodness he he brought home a World Series before he left. Um, yeah, I did think you mentioned this before we move on. I did think the 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 Craig Kimbrell thing. Okay, cool. I mean, that's fine. I, I think I would take Kenley in a one year deal for versus giving up assets. But I did think the the Correa talk was a little interesting because that was like weirdly reported just before the lockout that the Braves had some interest in Correa. Of course, the the follow up is well, what happens with Dansby, who is of course under contract for one more year. Um, but that was interesting. And if you if you really read through some of what Rosenthal reported, it seemed like Scott Boris was the one who was really pushing uh, Correa to the Braves, if you will. I'm guessing internally the Braves felt they did not want to disrupt their shortstop right before the season began. Um, but Correa has an opt-out after 
this upcoming season with the twins. It really did feel kind of like they were using the twins for a one year, uh, just kind of get paid and then hit the market again in a year's time. Um, so I, I think there's some, some options there. Next year's shortstop class is really, really good. You have Correa, you have Xander Bogarts, you have Trey Turner, you have Dansby. I believe there's a couple others. So it will be fascinating to see if anything else comes of this over the next couple of days, a couple of months even. Um, but that was probably of, of the three news items you mentioned, that one was probably one I raised my eyebrows at the most. Oh, definitely. And clearly the most high profile. I mean, there is this whole discussion that we'll probably have 10 times in the next six months about Dansby and his future, um, just because he is the definition of a player that isn't quite good enough to be super excited about long term, but also is definitely good enough to be a starter on a good team. So it's like this very weird setup and he'll be a free agent. He's one of the long, longer tenured guys. There was this whole side thing about him and uh, Freddie's locker today. Like, just, it's going to be a sideshow with Dan's belt season long. I'm pretty sure about that with him hitting free agency. So we'll see on that. But obviously, we did kind of joke about Correo once it was clear that Freddie might not come back. I'd be, I would have been pretty shocked if they actually had, did Correa and also Matt Olson. That would have been insane. It would have been a lot of fun. I would not have criticized it by any means. But um, we'll see. They're going to have some money if they want to spend it um, after this season yeah. on shortstop. And Correa might be a guy that uh, is on the market again. So. Yep. that's uh that's all i got and by the way just i think i said it but i do agree with you uh on rather having jansen than kimbrell obviously none of us even considered jansen as an option i don't think uh i know i didn't no, consider jansen no. as an option. i was <laughs> i thought i was getting spoofed the first time i saw it i thought it was someone like faking in town or something like that yeah it seems clear that as we'll get into in a second with the rotation and stuff like then anthopolis kind of pivoted to strengthening a strength when it was very clear that there wasn't an obvious starting pitcher available, which I do understand. I mean, we've been banging the table and I know I have for a long time, like they need another starting pitcher, but if there's that guy's unavailable, like just go out and add to your ridiculous bullpen. So anyway, before we get into the roster reset and sort of a broad overview of what's coming, because we're getting very close, everybody. I'm very excited about baseball. Before we get to all of that though, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Scott, let us dive into the... um let's just say the easiest and also the best part of the team. And that is the infield first. We'll, we'll just knock it out. Uh, in short, they have a, so I should say it in short, uh, in summary, they have a top five first baseman in baseball in Matt Olson, uh, locked up long-term. They have a top five and probably top three, top two, maybe top one second baseman in the league in Ozzy Albies. They have a top 10, at least third baseman in Austin Riley after his breakout season last year. They have a good quality veteran catching tandem in uh, Darno and Manny Pena, and they have a solid enough shortstop in Nancy Swanson, who's not a star, but certainly was good enough last season and has been good enough at times. Uh, that all seems pretty good to me. I don't really have much, like there's not much analysis to do here. It's like, uh, obviously the pivot guy 
is Dansby. And then I, I would add there's that sort of a tinge of like, can Riley repeat on the same level as last year as one of the questions about this team. But even if he regresses a little bit, talking about Riley, he's still going to be a good player, you'd imagine. So uh, obviously a strength in the infield. Yeah, I mean, for my money, I haven't done a deep dive on this, but for my money, it's the best infield in the game. It, it's hard to find a better group of Olsen, Albies, Swanson, and Riley. And, and not only that, but I think there's legitimate upside with each of those guys, right? Like Olsen just turned 28. I think Ozzy's 26. Dansby's almost 28. And Riley is 25 or 26. Those are all prime ages. And in theory, all of them could have, if not career years this year, pretty close to it. And I think that's exciting. I think there's some real upside here. Defensively, it should be really strong. I mean, Ozzy's as good as it gets at second. Olsen is a legitimate gold glover at first. Um, Dansby is very steady at shortstop. Maybe not flashy, but just rock steady over there. If he can get to the ball, it's going to be an out. And then I think Austin Riley over the last couple of years has really improved his body and his defensive abilities. Uh, catcher, hopefully Travis Darno stays healthy. He is a guy, whatever he is. Uh, on the field, he tends to be productive, although he is someone who has a pretty lengthy injury history at this point with just a, a variety of injuries. Uh, I like the Manny Pena signing. I think uh, William Contreras is going to be in the mix as well. At some point, I would be surprised if both of those guys make it through the year fully healthy, just given the the, the difficulty of staying healthy as a big league catcher, especially catching in Atlanta. But um, there's just a lot of talent here. I think it's probably the best group in the league. And um, they're going to be looked to carry on, uh, carry the offense early on, especially as Ronald's going to miss a little bit of time. Yeah, I think the only team I can think of that might have a claim to better infield would be the Dodgers because they have Will Smith, the catcher, who's just a lot better than what the Braves have. But they also have some older guys like your uh, your Justin Turner, Chris Taylor combination, but with yeah, with, with yeah. Freddie and uh, Trey Turner, that's pretty uh, pretty absurd as well. So <laughs> the Dodgers <laughs> are right there, but certainly the Braves, uh, if they're not number one, they're number two. In the yeah. infield, we have to say. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's obvious strike you behind them. It's not great in terms of depth. Uh, there's Arcia who's still in the roster. Uh, my thoughts on him are well documented. He cannot hit. Uh, that's been proven for a long time. Um, they also have Brock Holt and Phil Gosselin kicking around the organization, neither of which are going to be on major league deals right now, but they certainly could be on the team if they want to keep an extra guy, particularly in April. Um, and those guys are multi-position guys. Phil Gosselin's an old friend. Brock Holt, of course, longtime Red Sox. Uh, those guys are just like depth utility guys though. Like, so if, if, if you do get an injury, I will say there is not a lot of depth in the infield. Like if you, if God forbid, knock on wood, you get a long-term, you know, two month injury to Olsen, Albies, O'Reilly, it would be uh, a very, very big loss. This is not, this is a situation yeah. where the Braves don't have anybody behind them. Like the Dodgers can throw out Gavin Lux or whatever. Um, the Braves just don't have anybody like that in the infield. Yeah. So that is a question mark and you have to hope beyond hope that they all stay healthy because there's just nothing there. Yeah. Let's hope it. Again, I think uh, I think there's some real upside here with this group, and you're right. I mean, it would be nice to have a, a lengthy bench, although the downside of having really good players at all of these positions is it's difficult to bring in like a good bench guy because they just know they're not really going to play much as a utility player. Um, but we'll see. Let's hope, fingers crossed, for no injuries this year. If, after all of the, the unfortunate things the Braves had go wrong in the first like three months of 2021, uh, let's hope they do some good karma and keep the good vibes going after uh, after the World Series run. That is for sure. Um, obviously, that was the one to knock out quickly. We'll move on now to the outfield and then the pitching stuff. The outfield's really interesting, which we, just, we just sort of discussed a lot, but um, there is some conflicting stuff out there on Ronald Acuna and when he can actually play again. Um, there was some more optimism this week about him maybe being back in like early May versus late May in some respects. That's probably encouraging. You uh, have the you have to deal with some length of time without him, which we'll touch on in a second. But there was some reporting on Friday that he could play outfield as early as May. Also, some right field versus center field stuff. And then Acuna told the media via his interpreter today, uh, and I'm, I'm quoting here from Justin Toscano of the AJC. But uh, the quote was, "The way I'm looking at it is, whenever I come back, I'm playing right field." End quote. Now, that is interesting on two levels. N number one, uh, there's he can DH, but he doesn't seem to want to do, he doesn't really want to do that. It seems. And also, did you uh, think it was as interesting as I did that he said, right field, not center field. Cause mm. I, uh, given the record, yeah. given the, the, the Andrew Jones reporting that was out there and all the stuff about um, Ronnie playing, not wanting to play center field, him yeah. being definitive on playing right field like that was uh, certainly notable to me. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll see over the season. It's such a long year. Um, we'll see how it ultimately breaks down. I think it's pretty clear based on a couple of things now that Ronald wants to be in right field. And if he wants to be in right field, I think that's fine. I would rather him be more comfortable in right and just have Adam Duvall handle center field um, than any other option, I think, at this point. And then you you throw in the fact that he is coming back from the ACL surgery. Um, granted, he has to cover a lot of room in right field. It's not like he just gets to stand there versus center. He has to tra- you know track down baseballs all night. But um, it, it was an interesting point. I think everything kind of points at – now that that Ronald wants to be in right and you just it's crazy I think one of the few questions this roster really has is can Adam Duvall play a full year in center field because as of now it seems like that's going to be the case certainly as a primary look and once they make a trade and you know Ronnie as much as he may not want to play center uh, we talked about this a little bit on our on a recent podcast as well but um, sticker and I think the organization is they're going to play him in center field unless he just I mean I can't see him just refusing to um, that would, that would surprise me, but I, it would not surprise me at all. If Ronnie, but if once he's proven to be healthy in like June, I think he's going to play some center field. I could be wrong, but uh, it's, it seems like it's trending that way, but yeah, until then at a bare minimum, you're talking about everyday center fielder, Adam Duvall, and they have other guys. They have Heredia who is their primary backup in center field, but that's not a great option. Obviously he's a good vibes guy by all, by all counts, but not the greatest player in the world. Um, it does seem like, you know, every day in April, it's going to be Duvall, Ozuna, and Rosario at three of the four spots, including the DH spot. Um, Rosario is not a great hitter against left-handed pitching, which is notable, and he's a guy who's not as old as he might seem in some respects. If that sounds kind of weird coming out, coming out of my mouth, but it seems like he's kind of older than he actually is. But he's not a guy that mashes lefties, let's just say. So having to play him against left-handed pitching is not ideal necessarily, but beyond those three, you get into very clear role players. You have Alex Dickerson. You have Heredia. Dickerson has, has been a good hitter in his career, but not fantastic last season and not a guy with a great glove by any means. Heredia has a decent hitter against left-handed pitching, bad against right-handed pitching. Uh, he's also the best defender they have available right now at any spot, probably. Um, definitely in center field. So there is some question about what they're going to do, other than the fact that I think it's very clear based on the investments and all the comments that as long as Duvall, Ozuna, and Rosario are healthy, they're playing every day until something changes. Yeah. Yeah. And there might be some adventures in the outfield the first oh, yeah. month until Ronald gets back. I mean, uh, we really like Adam Duvall and his defensive abilities and Rosario is okay out there. Uh, Marcel is not a good defender as we know well. And I think as soon as Ronald comes back or maybe after a couple of weeks when Ronald transitions from, from kind of part-time outfield and DH to full-time outfield, then you put Marcel as the DH six nights out of the week, maybe more. Um, so there might be a few adventures out there. It really is crazy to me, just looking at this group as a whole as we're talking, that even if Ronald Acuna wasn't on this roster, it's a really good roster. And the fact the Braves are going to add in an all-world talent, maybe a top three, top five, top one player on the planet in a couple of weeks to this team is just really exciting. And I'm glad to hear that they are really being cautious and bringing him along as he should be and not rushing him back just with the obvious importance that he is to the, to the franchise. Um, but it, it, we'll see how, uh, how playing time shakes out. I do like Alex Dickerson. Um, you know, his, his profile is good. I know some fans saw him batting fifth in the lineup the other day in spring training. And they were like, why is he batting fifth? He should be ninth. Um, we'll see, uh, you mentioned Rosario struggles against lefties. Maybe you drop him to eighth or ninth against lefties early on, but again, this lineup is so deep and, and just so powerful and one through nine, there's really nowhere to get an easy out. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. I, uh, I saw your reaction and saw some of the reactions, uh, in that lineup, which we can talk about as much as we want to, um, there is no problem at all with hitting Dickerson fifth in that lineup particularly because he can split up the righties. He does mash right-handed pitching career. Um, is he a great player? No. Is he a famous player? No. People don't know who he is. That's probably the biggest thing. He's on this very small contract. But uh, if you look at the roster, if you want to find a little bit of vulnerability, it might be just a little bit of the sort of the splits in the yeah. outfield. And um, Rosario is pretty key at the moment. Like, not that it, that's a huge shock, but between Rosario and Ozuna in particular, there's a lot of pressure on those guys. Like, Ozuna was – you know, all the off-field stuff aside, uh, was not very good last season when he played. Um, they need him to be good. Uh, that's they do. unfortunate, but they do. They absolutely need him to be good. 
So yep. we'll see if those, uh, it, you know, they, they probably can't afford to have, you know, subpar years from all of those guys at the same time. You know, the smart money is on either Rosario or Ozuna or maybe even Duvall just having a bad season. That's just kind of what happens sometimes, but they need some of those guys to be good. Yeah. We'll see what, with Marcel. I mean, it's, it's been a long time since he's played consistently. Um, he did have an opposite field three-run homer today in, in the spring training game, which is a good sign. Um, but you're right. There was some talk this week about are the Braves better off today than they were at the end of the World Series? And I, I think the answer is yes. And I think it's mostly because there's some just real genuine upside, especially offensively with Marcelo Zuna, who was not great last year. He started to come around a little bit and then, of course, got hurt and suspension. Um, and then, of course, Acuna. I mean, for as, as yeah. amazing yeah, as... Yeah, I mean, again, he was on pace for like a seven-war season before the injury. And I know, of course, you could never uh, replicate just how good and how clutch Jock and Duvall and Soler and, and Eddie were in the playoffs. But adding in Ronald Acuna for 90% of a season is is a real boost. And if Marcelo Zuna can be even close to the hitter he was in 2020 and the guy he's been throughout his career... Uh, that's a big time addition to the lineup and it may not feel like a big addition just because he was with the team last year for a little bit. Uh, but if, if we're getting Marcel from a couple of years ago, uh, this lineup is going to be even deeper. I agree. I probably will say this on our last show before the season starts, but I'll say it again now. So just in case I forget, um, it's just kind of more a reminder. I'm not trying to be negative or anything like that, but uh, it is worth remembering that the Braves were not very good last season for a very large part of the season. Uh, and that was maybe flukish a little bit. Um, I think it's probably appropriate and accurate to say that they were not as bad as they were in the first half and not as good as they were in the playoffs. Does that make sense to you, Scott? If I frame it that, if I frame it that way, yep. um, just because listen, we all celebrated the world series. We will continue to do so on this podcast. I think it's also appropriate to say that the Braves, again, Sans Acuna, who was not playing in the playoffs, were not the best team in baseball last season. That's okay. That's just that's yeah. baseball, the way that it is. Uh, you can win the championship and not be the best team in baseball. I know that's sort of a, a weird thing people won't understand. Um, and I think I've, I tweeted it before and got yelled at a lot about, about it, but I'm not disparaging the Braves. I'm just saying if you go roster quality in the playoffs, they were not the best team the way that you would describe the best team on paper. With Acuna, to your point, and, you know, Olsen versus Freeman's a wash. It might even be favored to Olsen, to be honest with you, at this point. Um, I, I do think that once you factor in Ronald, the roster is, is better right now yeah. than it was. Um, you could certainly say that, you know, they got these ridiculous performances from the bullpen and from Rosario and from Soler that are not replicable. And if those, if you just assume that Eddie Rosario was the guy from the NLCS forever, then maybe they're worse now. <laughs> because he was the best player of all time but yeah it's just it's really interesting to like point out the nuance there like I think that it's even possible this season maybe even likely this season if you just go by the actual numbers and the odds of it all that the Braves will be better this season and not win the World Series like yeah. that's that's just what happens like it's it's baseball yeah I, I think that's fair I mean if you look back at, at it's funny you're kind of reading my mind I was thinking about this a little bit the other day yeah I mean the first half of last year was not good Obviously, they were below 500 every day until what early August. They had some bad luck. I mean, the run differential was pretty good, and they just seemingly were finding ways to lose games every night. Like the, the two games that stick out in my head were back to back games in Philadelphia against a division rival. And I'm a madman for remembering this, but, but I think they had the lead in the eighth and ninth innings in both games, and they ended up losing in the ninth on back to back walk offs to like, to a bench player on the Phillies. And that, that was kind of like a perfect summary of the first four months of the Braves is 2021. They lose Acuna, they lose Ozuna, they lose Darno. I mean, those are three of your eight everyday guys. And frankly, three of your better everyday guys. And they lost them all within a stretch of like two months. Um, so I do think this roster is going to be really good. I mean, if you look at the projections, they're really high on this team. And I think with good reason, um, but you're right. I mean, there was a lot of discussion. I think Ken Rosenthal pointed out or was the one who kind of sparked the discussion about is this team better than the World Series one? And I think the answer is yes. We'll never know, uh, you know, if they would have brought back the whole band instead of, of some of these changes Anthopolis has made over the last few weeks, what what kind of difference of a season it would be. But um, there's a lot to be excited about with this roster right now. 
and we'll wrap up here, but it really might be as simple as this team has Ronald Acuna and last and that and that team didn't. Like if, if Ronald is a, as good as he's supposed to be, as good as we believe that he is, and he has a full ish season this year, that's a five, six, seven, eight win player. And I don't think the rest of the roster is seven or eight wins worse. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I, you're <laughs> so, right. I mean, I mean, he's he's really that good. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, but he really is potentially that good um, to where he overcomes other things. Uh, and yeah, we've also seen to it to uh, everything else in sort of context. Anthopolis is not afraid to add in season. So yeah. you can't assume as you know, we probably did a bad job of this last year. You can't assume this, the roster is going to be the same in August that it is now either. Like yeah. they're probably going to do something. The smart money, if you've been if you've been following the Anthopolis era, is that even if it's going well, they still probably make a move at some point in the next three months. Yeah. And you know, what makes baseball so great is it's just such an unpredictable game, right? Like this time last year, was anyone predicting that Austin Riley was going to get some MVP votes? No, I don't think so. But at the same time, none of us were expecting Travis Darno to get hurt and miss the better part of the year. Obviously no one was expecting the off field instant with Ozuna and you weren't going to have them, the injuries, the underperformance, the overperformance. We just, we just don't know. There's probably a player that we aren't really going to talk about in this kind of overview podcast that's going to have a really good and impactful year on the Braves in 2022. And inevitably, there's there's going to be a guy who gets hurt. There's going to be a guy who disappoints. Uh, that's the beauty of the game. You just have to hope that you're the last team standing at the end of it. That is absolutely right. We've, we've gotten off the rails. That's my fault. But alas, here we are. Um, from the lineup where we'll probably spend some time on batting order and stuff later. I don't want to do that necessarily right now, but I will just point out they don't only really have a leadoff lead guy without Acuna. So there's some uh, already some like consternation on a daily basis in the afternoon about the lineup, which just makes makes me laugh because it's it's a little early for that. But just um, tell yourself once Ronald gets back, the lineup looks so much more deep and normal. I think it does look kind of odd. I mean there's there's no great option here. I know not to go down the rabbit hole of Rosario, Rosario leading off. It just looks funny, but, or yeah. especially against lefties, that'd be very bad. Um, but it's just a little strange. And I have to appreciate uh, our mutual, uh, our, our mutual love for Mark Bowman. Uh, Bowman has been making fun of the lineup every single day in some form. He yeah. tweets like some, uh, some fake quote about how much he likes something every single day, <laughs> which I'm really, really appreciate yeah. about Mark. So shout out to Mark. Yeah, I would, I, I think in the short term, I would lean towards Ozzy being lead off against left-handed pitching. Agreed because of just how he mashes them and not against righties, please. Uh, but against yeah, lefties, yes. I think I would go Rosario leading off against righties, Ozzy against lefties. Um, there's just so few, I actually looked this up the other day. There are three left-handed starting pitchers in the national league East to begin the year. Total. Total. Does that you include, have, does, wait, does that, does that include Max Fried? <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry. Okay. Of the four just, others, just, just making yeah, sure of the, uh, the other four teams, you have Petra Corbin in Washington you have Taylor Rogers, is that his name? For yes. the Marlins, really good. And then uh, Ranger Suarez with the Phillies, who um, that was kind of smoking mirrors last year. I think the Nationals might have like a fifth starter who's a lefty, but I mean, honestly, the fifth starter for the Nationals is not someone you you have no, to really worry that's, about. That's not better. Uh, but more times than not, until Rano gets back, I would imagine it's Eddie. And then uh, anytime, hey, anytime it's a lefty, give Ozzy 50 at-bats if we can work it out. I, I'm all about that. Yeah, sign me up. And uh, our, I think our general podcast stance, you can correct me if you uh, want to disagree with me. Our, our, our general stance is give the best players the most at-bats, yep. which means uh, hit Ronnie leadoff. And in my mind, that means hit Matt Olsen second. Uh, I agree. That's, that's just yep. me. Um, okay, moving on from there. The bullpen should be easy to, dis- talk, to discuss in some form because it's going to be, uh, at least on paper, the best in baseball, I think, or maybe certainly in the top three in baseball. You have Jansen as the anointed closer. You have Will Smith, who, of course, was awesome down the stretch of last season. You have Colin McHugh, who's been really good for a while now. AJ Minter, Tyler Madsick, Luke Jackson. Um, perhaps Darren O'Day, who's been frisky in spring training. He's on a non-guaranteed deal, but certainly could be an interesting veteran specialist. You have uh, Kirby Yates at some point, probably late in the year. You have, uh, beyond that, it's a, little, it's a little bit less a little bit less secure, but I just named six, seven, eight guys. <laughs> who are all uh, supposed yeah. to be good. And then you get into like Tyler Thornburg and Jacob Webb and Dylan Lee, maybe Sean Newcomb, who's going to have some money coming his way. Uh, he's out of options, by the way. So if they want to keep him around, they have to kind of go ahead and do that. Um, also, Spencer Strider came up as a candidate from Bowman. That'd be interesting. Mm. Obviously, he's a high-end potential arm in the rotation down the line. But if they're not thinking he's ready for that yet, he could be awesome in the bullpen. So they have, uh, let's just say, an overwhelming uh, number of relieving options. And Especially, I just said that out loud. I'll say it again. They have an overwhelming amount of relieving options. 
and still a bullpen. So like anything can happen in the bullpen. <laughs> yeah, it can. No, you're right. And I think the battles really for what the seventh and eighth and maybe ninth spot with the expanded rosters, ideally those final three guys are never going to pitch in any game. That's close. Like there, I was thinking about this the other day, like you have six genuinely good to elite bullpen options right now. And you're going to be able to mix and match. I mean, if you want to burn AJ Minter in this, in the fifth or the sixth inning against Juan Soto, do it. Like, like you have that ability to do it, which is just remarkable. Um, so yeah, I mean, as you said, I, I would be hard pressed to find a better bullpen than this one on paper. Um, there's some depth. We'll see how they utilize some of the younger kids to um, kind of help fortify it over the season. And, and you're right. I mean, inevitably, I mentioned this, I think the last time I did a podcast with Eric, but it's, it's easy to forget that last year Minter was in Gwinnett over the summer months because of his struggles. Tyler Matzik was barely pitching for a couple of weeks at some point over the summer because he just wasn't throwing strikes. Those guys ended up being incredible in the postseason, but bullpens, man, it's just so easy to get out of tune for, for a couple of appearances. And as we know, the margin of error is so small uh, but there's just so much depth here. And in theory, if you have six guys, maybe seven or eight, by the time it's all said and done, you feel really good about, um, you, you're going to feel like the Braves have a real chance to win if they have the lead. I don't know, after the fifth inning, after the sixth inning. I mean, that that's pretty much where we're at right now. And that's basically the theory of the case. I mean, that's what Anthopolis even kind of said and winked at when he signed Jansen and was like, look, we may not have starting pitching depth or at least trustworthy starting, starting pitching depth, but we have these relievers and that's, how you shorten the game and it may not be a foolproof plan. Um, you know, honestly, the smart bet, if you're just going on the history of baseball, is that at least one of the top six guys that on paper are awesome is going to either be hurt or bad this year. That's just the way it usually works. Yeah. I'm not, I can't tell you who that is between the six guys. And by the way, the six guys, just as a reminder, are Jansen, Smith, McHugh, Minter, Matzik, and Luke Jackson. You know, just as an example, like AJ Minter has gone from dominant to bad and back to dominant already in his career yeah. and he's still very young Tyler Matzik was out of baseball basically Luke Jackson has been a roller coaster at times um Colin McHugh was a starter and I was a reliever Will Smith of course uh, there's a <laughs> love, uh, Will, Smith, Will Smith so like yeah I was gonna say when nobody say, felt good when Will came in in the ninth well inning speak for yourself sir speak for yourself excuse sir excuse me most of us did not feel great <laughs> about kidding. when I'm kidding when uh, Will came in the ninth I mean there was that one stretch in like August and early September where I swear to god he came in and within 10 <laughs> pitches there was he, a home he walks them every day. He, yeah, yeah. he walks the off guy every game. No, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Even as a pro Will Smith person uh, overall, even uh, I would admit that he was a roller coaster at times. Even Kelly Jansen like was really good yeah. last year, but he kind of lost it a little bit before that for a year or two. So yep. there is not a lot of safety ever in a bullpen, and that's why I'm saying that aloud because like guys like O'Day or Tyler Thornburg or Jacob Webb might matter more than we want them to. Um, yep. But it's still like just hard to talk about and hard to project. And on paper, you can't do much better than what the Braves have, which is kind of you, what matters. You're right. And naturally we talk about one of those guys is going to have a bad year. There's going to be someone who we aren't really talking about who has a great year, right? Maybe it's, yeah, maybe Dylan it's, Lee. Hey, yeah, Dylan <laughs> Lee, you know, elite left-handed option who we are turning to happily in September and October in a couple of months or uh, Spencer Strider or one of the young arms like Kyle Muller or Tuki Toussaint. Maybe they transition them to a bullpen role. I mean, again, there, there's enviable depth here, and you're right. Someone's not going to have as good of a year as we're expecting, and someone's going to have a, a really good year, and we weren't expecting them to do it at all. And that's that's just kind of the beauty of bullpens. Yeah, uh, or the or the terror of bullpens, one of the two. <laughs> that's uh, probably the better term, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last thing, of course, is the rotation. We've talked about this a lot, but it's worth remembering. They basically have three guys that are trustworthy. It is Charlie Morton. It is Max Free. It is Ian Anderson. Snicker said he expects to use six guys early and or use an opener, which, of course, they have the depth to do if they want to. Um, I don't care who the opening day starter is. That doesn't matter to me at all. But there's some discussion about that between Freed and Morton. I just I just don't care. Uh, it doesn't matter really in any way. Um, but those three guys are what they are. I mean, there's probably a discussion to be had about Ian Anderson and just actually how good he is. Um, I think he is good. Um, I don't know how good he is, to be honest, at this point, because I don't think anybody uh, anybody does. He has some weird peripherals and stuff. But regardless, he's a, he's a very solid number three, and they have three guys that we all we all trust. It's just what happens beyond that. Yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, you would hope that Max is has an opportunity, <laughs> excuse me, an opportunity to really take that next step. I mean. He has pretty comfortably been one of the better left-handed starters in baseball the last few years. I think he can go even higher. 
he, he did not start out great last season. He had an injury early on and was just a little rusty. He was off just a tick, um, but then he really started to figure it out as the season progressed. Um, so I think the sky's the limit for Max. Uh, again, with Charlie Morton being 38, there's a little more risk here than, than your normal starter, though we know just how good Charlie has been the last few years. Um, it seems like he's making a full recovery from that broken leg, uh, which is, I guess, you know, wasn't a guarantee that he was going to be able to come back in time. And it seems like he's, if not on schedule, ahead of schedule. And then you're right, it's a big year for Ian Anderson. He's someone who has basically become a postseason legend uh, over the last two years. Uh, but during the regular season itself, he, he's been good, but but not great, a little inconsistent. He had the scary shoulder issue last year that cost him about a month, month and a half. Um, so it's a big year for Ian. He looked good in his uh, in his first spring start the other day, and hopefully he's in for a nice year. He might just be a guy that fools peripherals for large portions of career. Like I think that's in play for him. I don't think you can assume it yet. The sample size is not large enough, and right now his peripherals do not match what he's been able to do ERA wise. Um, so we'll see if that sort of regresses or if he's actually this guy, his strikeout numbers were down last year compared to the previous year. So like, that's not what you love to see, but his backup was uh, very low too. So um, we'll get into all that, but even with some skepticism, maybe not skepticism, just like kind of cautious optimism about Anderson. He's still a very solid number three. So I'm not really worried about yeah. it. It's just uh, an upside yeah. thing beyond that though. Like they have to find, Two guys eventually. And there are lots of candidates. Bowman projected Kyle Wright and Waskari Noah as the four and five this week when he did his initial projections. You also have Kyle Muller. You have Strider, who we talked about earlier. You have Tucker Davidson. They're all candidates. Um, they already assigned Tukey to minor league camp. So that's not going to happen early on this year. If you want to go deeper, maybe Bryce Elder would be someone that could be in play. Soroka is going to be out for a while. There's no timetable on him. He's on 60 day, 60 day IL. So you can't bank on him at all for a little while now. Uh, I'm sure they're going to keep looking on the market. You know, I think it was, I can't remember who wrote this as a reminder this week, but it was like they signed Animal Sanchez out of nowhere a few years ago. It might be a guy like that, like a uh, someone who's sort of a cast off looking for work. They could bring in somebody like that in the next two weeks, but uh, they also might go into the season with two spots that are kind of wide open. And I think I would also probably guess right. Enoa if I had to choose two guys right now, but man, uh, my confidence level on Enoa is very low. And right, I think we're all just hoping beyond hope that it's real this time, but I, I have no idea. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think there's five or six guys here who, at this point in their careers, they don't need to be in AAA anymore. Like, they're, like I didn't realize Tucker Davidson is 26. Yeah. Um, I think Kyle Wright's 26 as well. He, of course, was a, a high-profile college kid. So it's funny how the high school players versus the international free agents and the – I'm sorry, the college players compared to the high school kids and the international players just seem so much older after how, a couple how, of years. How, how about this one? Kyle Wright's only thrown 70 major league innings in, in the regular season. Can you imagine how like how small the number that is? For how, wow. how, how much it's been in our lives, how much we talked about Kyle Wright in the huh. last few years. He's thrown 70 – regular season innings. Now he has thrown some playoff innings as well. I believe sure. it's like, I don't know, 12, 13, but man, sub hundred <laughs> innings in his career. And by the way, as much as we all are really, really hoping on Kyle Wright, a former top five pick, Scott, I'm going to ask you this now without, without looking, do you happen to know Kyle Wright's career ERA in the majors? Oh, uh, seven. Uh, close. It is 6.56. Uh, so, uh, and that, by the way, that does not mean that he's going to be bad. Uh, it's a small sample size, and he obviously has been bad at times. He's flashed at times, but this is the guy that I think if you polled Braves fans, they would tell you is the number four starter right now, and he has a career ERA of almost seven in the hmm. majors. So yep. it is very, very uncertain behind the top three. I want to believe, Brad. He's my pick to break out for like the ninth year in a row. We all want to believe. We all want to believe. We really uh, do. But I'm uh, just saying, like, it, this, this is four, and it's not it's not been all at once, too. Like, it's he's he's appeared in four different seasons with the Braves. And he's never been good. I mean, his best yeah. season on record was 2020, and it was eight starts with a 5.2 ERA. Hmm. Like, he's been bad every step of the way in the major leagues. Now, he's had yeah. the playoff stuff, obviously a couple of memorable performances in the playoffs. But by the way, Scott, do you know his playoff ERA <laughs> career? I, I would assume it's not good based it on is that. It is 5.84. Yeah. Yeah, he had that one brutal game against the Dodgers in 2020. And, and that's why and that's why it's so bad, to be honest. Like last year he 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 threw twice in the playoffs and was very good both times. So yeah. I'm not saying he was, he's like, you know, he's just funny. Yeah, he was great in that World Series. Um 
Yeah. So I guess to get back to the point of, of rotation, you're right. All of these kids, they're 25, 26. They're, they're probably too old. Don't need to spend any more time in Gwinnett, but obviously there's limited roster spots in Atlanta. All of them have upside. All of them have very real questions. We talked about, right. Waskar Noah, great for like a month last year, came back post-injury was not great. Um, I, I think he's probably my odds on favorite of this group. We're going to talk about to have the best year. Um, you know, Tucker Davidson had a nice day today against a, a good number of the twins everyday options, though. I have questions about Tucker's ability to get out lineups second and third time through um, just with his, he doesn't have great secondary stuff. I think he's good enough for maybe five or six innings. I just don't know how deep he's going to be able to work in the games. Uh, Kyle Muller has big time stuff, but as we know, he would just have innings where he just could not throw a strike. That's a concern quite obviously for a team. Um, you know, Tukey, again, I just don't know if it's ever going to happen for Tukey, the starter. I think his, his long-term future is in the bullpen, but I'm guessing he's going to get a chance. Uh, just go down the list, and there's guys who I think you can kind of dream on a little bit. Um, but really, they need at least one of these guys to really step up. They may not get two of them to, to cement themselves in the rotation, but if they can just get one, I think they'll be in pretty good shape, and then you can play musical chairs with that fifth spot. I, I think they'll be okay. That's the hope. That's very optimistic. Listen, like I, I talked about this a little bit, I think recently it was either you and I or, you, or uh, me and Eric, but if you go through the projections, like for instance, like the zips, fan graph projections for, for, for rotations, the Braves are like in the middle of the pack, which honestly you got to sign up for if you're the Braves. If the Braves are like 14th in pitching war this year from, from the starters, that'd be a huge win as good yeah. as the rotation. They'll be a really good. good team if that's the case. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think the, this is not even like a hot take. It's pretty obvious, but I think the easiest way for this season to not go well would be for the four and five in the rotation to not just to be bad. And that, that's, that's pretty obviously the biggest question mark slash weakness on paper on the roster. That's not even a hot take. Everyone kind of agrees on this. It's like but, the only one. I mean, well, that that's I the see. thing. Like yeah. if you go like player for player, you know, slot for slot, like it's not all perfect. The outfield right now is kind of jumbled, but at the end of the day, it's a kind of a rich man's problem when you have Ronald Acuna coming back, like, and you have Azuna and you have Rosario who can at least hit, you'd imagine. Um, the bullpen on paper, you couldn't do much more to make it better. Um, it's just that the rotation has three guys in it. And given how, you know, volatile, knock on wood, pitchers are, if you lose a guy out of that top three, it's even harder. I mean, there's no guarantee that the trio of Morton, Freed, and Anderson are all going to be healthy all season long. This is this this is pitching. Like you can't have enough pitching, so it's already questionable enough with the top three in place. Yep. If if one of those guys either if Charlie Morton just remembers that he's 40 or whatever, however old he is, like there's mm. a chance. I mean, I'm not going to tell you that there's a there's no chance that Charlie Morton is just like not ordinary this year. Yeah. I think he's a freak. I think he's going to be good, but. <laughs> he just broke his leg and he's 38. Like there's not a, there's no guarantee he's going to be awesome. He's 38 years old. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want it to sound like you and I are coming off as, as Debbie Downers with this not team, but I, no. I think it's fair. And in, in the, you know, as folks who have listened to this podcast, no, I mean, we're not ones who are just going to blindly beat the drum. And if there is, I agree completely. If there's an area with this team right now, that has me a little concerned is, is exactly that the rotation. You don't know what you're going to get from these young kids. Maybe, maybe they're all going to be good. Maybe they're all going to be bad. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but you're right. I mean, if you lose uh, any of the big three in the rotation that suddenly then gets into scary hours a little bit. I mean, if they miss a couple of weeks, it's not a problem, but if they get seriously hurt, then it's a real issue. Sure. Um, especially just how hard it is to add good starting pitching during a year when all other 29 teams are looking for starting pitching. Uh, but you're absolutely right. I know I can already hear people going, oh, you're so negative. You're so negative. I, really I, not. Think I promise we're not. Yeah. This is the one spot that has me at least a little concerned as of, you know, recording this at the end of March, where if things are going to go bad, I think it's in the rotation. Yeah. And listen, uh, I know we have new listeners in the last year and that makes uh, that makes me happy so welcome aboard uh there have been seasons where you and i or eric or all three of us were you know picking the Braves to finish third in the division and they won the division so like we've been seen as skeptical or negative in the past that's that's okay i think it's more just us trying to be realistic i think 
we're all going to pick the Rays to win the division this year. I, I'd be pretty surprised if we didn't, to be honest with you. Uh, this is not our official picks just yet. It'll probably be next week. But uh, I know I'm picking the Rays to win the division. Um, so I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the team right now. This is still a very good roster. Earlier to, earlier on this podcast, I literally said, if I had to guess right now, they'd be better than last year and just not win the World Series. And it's not like that's not, that's not a negative comment because guess what? No team has more than like a 25% chance to win, win the World Series at most right now on paper. Like, yeah. even if you were the biggest Braves fan in the world, you cannot tell me that they have a 50% chance to win the World Series. <laughs> I'm sorry, they don't. Yeah. Uh, nobody does. The Dodgers don't either, regardless. So uh, we're, I think we're pretty positive these days, at least about the hey, direction of the franchise. So. You win a World Series, man. You, a lot of things get covered up after you win a World Series. So let's hope. I think, you're, I mean, I think uh, Gabe Burns, friend of the pod, he's at the AJC. He wrote that uh, this might be the best opening day roster the Braves have assembled this since uh, 2000. I mean, does that sound about right to you? I mean, Ooh, that's I would, interesting. I, 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 hadn't thought, I, it, I missed that, but that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, thinking back, I would take it and yeah, I'd probably take it over. The, I, I think the depth is what stands it out. Last year's opening day roster was, was really strong. Um, we just, of course, didn't know that they were going to lose a third of their starting lineup by the middle of June. Um, yeah, you know, starting pitching again, I think it's, there's some upside. The bullpen is going to be great. Um, you know, the 2010 Braves with Jason Hayward, his rookie year and chipper and Martin Prado, like that team was really, really good on paper and just kind of fell apart at the end of the year. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a little too young to like vividly remember those early 2000 Braves teams. Um, you might remember them a little, you're a little older. I mean, that, that's uh, my first thought when you said since 2000, was the 20 it was two, two, the 2003 team yeah because yeah i'm pretty sure they scored like 900 runs that year like it was absolutely absurd how good the offense was in 2003 and they won 101 games and like you know that team was fairly unbelievable and of course lost in the nlds because they all did back then um but yeah no I, it's not a crazy comment at all especially if you buy into ronnie being the best player in baseball which i kind of do um having that guy at the top of your order plus matt olson being a top you know 25 player. Honestly, if all things go well this year and Austin Riley repeats last year, do they have four of the top 30 players in baseball? Yeah, on the team? probably. I mean, I am, I'm not the biggest Riley guy, but even I would acknowledge that he was a top 30 ish player in the league oh, yeah. last year. So like, plus yeah, Ozzy's Ozzy's definitely that good. Uh, Matt Olson's definitely that good. And Ronald Acuna. So like, yeah, pretty, pretty yeah. scary talent. It is. I mean, the most wins they've had off the top of my head was 2019 when they won 97 games. That was their most win since 2003. Yes. Yeah. And even then, like that 2019 team, I don't want to say it was smoke and mirrors because nobody can smoke and mirrors their way to 97 wins. But it was the offense, though. Was the the pitching was not very good. It was. It was. It was Mike Fultonevich, and uh, you know, Freed was kind of in the hybrid role. Like their Dallas Keuchel was okay. Well, it, it was it was Soroka was the one. Like yeah. So yeah. They had they had the best Soroka that they maybe ever have, unfortunately, that season. But if you look if you look beyond that, like yeah, they brought in Keuchel late and weird. But that rotation was not anything special. They brought in Kevin Gosman, who is good now, but was not good for the Braves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fulte was bad that season. I'm looking at it now. Uh, Julio was actually okay. But huh. yeah, old I mean, friend. their yeah, overall pitching that season was not fantastic. And need I remind you of who the closer was that year? It was uh, one Luke Jackson. Uh, by himself. So, anyway. yeah, no. So, but I think the, the point, the, I think as a fan, it's hard not to get really excited. I know we're, we're kind of nearing the end of this podcast, but it's hard to not get really, really excited about this team. I mean, I think, Definitely. I think they have legitimate hundred win upside. It's going to be a really tough division, but I think if, as you just noted, if a few things go right, I think there's legitimate upside for 95 hundred wins um, and, and they can win another World Series. It's really hard to repeat, especially in baseball. But um, I don't know how confidently over the last 20 years we've gone into a year saying, yeah, the Braves could totally win a World Series this year. Um, I think that's that's more than fair, whether you're a homer or not. I think that's a very fair assessment as we stand today. Definitely. Uh, you know, as much as we, like we just said, have not been always seen as the most rosy, I think we'd all agree this is a World Series caliber winning roster right now. Does that mean they're going to win it? No, but they certainly are capable of doing it, which I would not have always said in recent years. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're pretty loaded. Uh, we all uh, understand that. We can, we'll sort of go into our final predictions later on in the process, but 
uh, you know, as far as how good they are, you know, they're projected to be a top three team in the National League by almost everyone. Um, it's basically Dodgers, uh, Braves, and then, you know, throw in, you know, Mets or Giants or whoever you want to say alongside them. Um, even Pakota, who famously has been low on the Braves forever, has the Braves 92 wins. That's like, you know, Christmas time for, by Pakota. So yeah. uh, I have to mention this at the end of the podcast before we get out of here because uh, it's just it's timely. Um, how about your guy, Dave Roberts? Uh, literally guaranteeing a World Series this week in March. That happened twice. He got asked about it. First of all, he guarantees a World Series win. Then he gets a follow-up question that was literally attempting to let him off the hook. Like, they tried to be like, are you sure, Dave? And he was like, yep, guaranteed World Series. (laughs) Like, whoa. Listen, the Dodgers are loaded, and no one should say otherwise. Even if I know Braves fans don't like the Dodgers, they they have a great roster. So, like, he, he might end up being right. But, like, the fact that a manager, not a player, a manager in March guaranteed a world series victory is insane just nuts yeah i mean and they won the mickey mouse world series and hey like if the braves won the mickey mouse (laughs) world series i would be happy i would celebrate it but i mean every year in in october there's always something right oh my my arm is tired like last last year with max Scherzer or or whatever tyler matzik shut the door on them um it's funny tyler matzik had a pretty funny tweet about it about making fun of dave roberts too the other day if you want to go look at that um yeah, I guess I guess there's something to be confident. It was a little weird how it came across from Roberts. It's like, okay, guy, chill out. It's March, and that's not really what uh, that's not usually how coaches and managers tend to talk. But good on it's him. Weird. They're confident. I look forward to. I mean, you want to talk about high profile games, uh, the regular season, and let's hope for another postseason series with the Braves and the Dodgers because th- those are going to be some high level games with Freddie and Kenley. And just the, 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 as if the rivalry itself was not good enough over the last few years with the playoff matchups, uh, you, you send Freddie to LA and Kenley to Atlanta. Uh, there's going to be a lot of fireworks. I am not the first person to say this, but, uh, can you imagine a ninth inning Kenley Jansen against Freddie Freeman in Atlanta <laughs> with a shot? Yeah. Shot oh to go God. to the world series. Oh, uh, man. just losing. We are writing this Brad. Sounds uh, like a good book to me. Yeah. It'd be fun. Um, Regardless, that's kind of our overview on the state of the roster and state of the team right now. We'll get into depth as we always do on the show. Again, if you're a new listener, we will uh, do our thing throughout the season. We don't go away in the offseason. We don't go away during the season. In fact, this year, we're going to have more content than ever. Um, in the middle of, I guess, maybe near the end of last season, we sort of rolled, rolled out the Daily Hammer with Sean Coleman, which is like sort of the pseudo-daily episode of the podcast, a little bit shorter, kind of game recaps during the season and little news and notes. Sean's done awesome with that. So we'll have that you know, three, four times a week, plus Road to Atlanta, plus this podcast uh, every week or so. Uh, so lots and lots of content coming. And the best way to find all of that is to subscribe on your podcast player of choice, whether that be Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Google Podcasts, et cetera. Uh, please just look up Battery Power on your favorite podcast app. We'll, we'll definitely be there. Um, and again, the season is very close. The opener is April 7th. Uh, we'll have some more content, whether it be uh, the two of us plus Eric or something like that to get our final on the record predictions out there in the next 10 days or so, but uh, we're almost there, Scott. This might be the second last, second to last podcast before the season starts. Crazy. Thank goodness. It was uh, some dark and very quiet times during the lockout. So very excited for baseball, especially now that the college hoops is wrapping up. Um, you're right. Less than two weeks. And... <laughs> wrapped up for us. I know that much, Scott. Wrapped That's up for true. us. We have we'll some listeners cool. whose teams are still going. Good for you. I'm so happy for you. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's always good to be on with you, Brad. And you're right. We'll have lots of good content. Please, uh, share the podcast with anyone, you know, who might be interested, a lot of Braves fans out there. And as we said, man, this is, this is what makes being a fan fun, right? There were a lot of bad baseball games played in 2015, 16, 17. Um, you know, the rebuild was not fun, but to come out of it with a world series and now just a stacked roster on paper to begin the season, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is objectively more fun to cover a team that won the World Series and is going to be good again than it was when we launched the podcast when they were winning 70 games. I'll say that. It was it's a lot more fun now. What year? Uh, what year was the podcast launched? I should know this off the top uh, of my head. I believe it was 2016, but now I'm gonna Ooh. go back and find this because you that sounds right. And that too. was that was the worst year of the of the rebuild. That was the uh, year. Yeah, because 2015 had the good vibes like the first couple months, they were like famously 500 at the all star break. And then the wheels completely fell off uh, in the second they did. half. They did indeed but fall off. 2016 was like, wasn't that when Freddie got fired and by like 
got notified via the <laughs> was it on Twitter that Freddie learned about it or on like, uh, no, ESPN? He, he, he got a, I believe he got a boarding pass and that's how he that's how ah he, there that's you go yeah 2016 uh, was rough that, that yeah was not a good episode idea. I'm looking this up now just to be as accurate as possible episode one uh, I'm trying not to play it on accident and uh, while looking this up it says six years ago so yeah it had to be wow. 2016 um and uh myself and carlos Colazo on episode one uh followed by uh by the way this is hilarious uh, our guy ivan who uh you know helps to run the show over at batterypower.com was on the was on the second episode of the podcast so ivan's been around oh. forever. uh yeah. we, had, we had eric and garrett do, do some prospect talk on episode seven i'm looking through this now you were on episode five with us with wow. me and carlos uh demetrius was on episode six so uh the gang is all still here grant mccauley in episode 11 by the way we shall we should also plug the uh, battery power tv program on youtube with grant yeah, yeah. and Corey mccartney that's fantastic as well so you know written content we're wall to wall folks i'm telling you we're uh, we're not going away at any, at any point anytime soon so by the way there's this, this is the funniest i've ever seen we're in the rabbit hole now but there was an episode episode 30 and the headline was tim tebow and the labor day mailbag <laughs> Which means I believe that was Tebow in the Mets. I believe Dear God. had to oh, be t- had yeah. to be had to be Tebow in the Mets. But man, that was a long time ago. Anyway, yeah, we're off the rails. Well, Scott, thank you for joining me as always on the show. Uh, I will guarantee another podcast in some form. Episode three four three will be coming up before the regular season begins. Uh, I don't know when that will be. Probably next week sometime. I have to go cover the final four next weekend. And then, uh, you know, that's that's not a small event, as you well know, Scott. So uh, I'll be a little bit tied up during that. Maybe uh, we'll have to call him from the road or whatever. But uh, between you, me, and Eric, we'll get our final on-the-record predictions out there because what would the world do without our predictions to have the phrase win the division? That's right. The people need their their predictions. That's that will, absolutely right. That will happen. Uh, anyway, please follow Scott on Twitter at ScottColeman55 for uh, Arizona football takes, oh, now, I guess, God. late March. No, uh, no. Shots All Braves. Uh, <laughs> follow uh, me if you'd like to at BT Roland. Follow the podcast everywhere you can buy podcasts and also on Twitter at Battery Power SBN. See you all next time. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.